friends. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Today, we're going to have some dynamic thoughts from diverse speakers with a biblical viewpoint. Feel free to stick around and prepare to be blessed. But tonight's class, I want to talk about evangelism. And uh, this is uh, our evangelism life. So very excited to just open the scriptures with you. So Father, bless us tonight. Speak to us and inspire us again and again to share our faith, to love the person in front of us, to be in the moment with people. Lord, thank you that uh, one soul is worth more than the whole world. Lord, just touch our hearts with that revelation tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's cover a couple passages together. And uh, I don't want this to be like a mechanical thing, but really as we grow as Christians, we need to be inspired over and over that what we're a part of is not an organization, it is an organism. It's something alive. It's something supernatural. It's something uh, from the hand of God. So if I approach ministry from a natural viewpoint, uh, or I or I try to uh, treat it like a business, uh, we're going to miss the whole heart and revelation of what Christ is saying and doing and what he is uh, showing us as a pattern. So in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, we, we see some familiar verses, but when we think about evangelism, I, I want you to think about this one quote and it's going to kind of be the ba- uh, you know the the backbone of the class tonight, but it's by D. T. Niles. And evangelism, he says, is like telling one beggar to another where the bread is. And he goes on to say that he, being a beggar, he is seeking for another beggar to tell them where the bread is. And and when you think about that statement, it, it's a powerful statement. I mean, you think about a beggar tonight. Uh, that is starving, maybe they're homeless, maybe they're d- disillusioned. Uh, and another beggar says, hey, listen, I know where the food is. I know where the stash is. I know where there's a way out. I know how to uh, get out of this rut that we're in. Come come with me. I'm going to tell you where the bread is. I'm going to tell you where the provision is. I'm going to tell you where life is. And uh, thank God today as believers, we are no longer beggars in one sense. We are sons and daughters, sealed unto the day of redemption in Ephesians 1.13. But in our spirit, we are all destitute. We are all bankrupt. We are all in great need of Christ and his provision. So when you think about evangelism today, uh, you know, again, uh, there's many reasons why uh, it is such a key part of our ministry life. And oftentimes we can get too busy and uh, we can get too busy with the good things. But really evangelism uh, is something key to continuing to inspire us uh, and to keep us sharp. So I want to give a couple of reasons for that in a minute. But twenty eight nineteen says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things and whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So go. 
the go in gospel, the first two letters of gospel is go. And uh, D.L. Moody said the most um, beautiful uh, expression of the gospel or the most beautiful covering of the gospel is shoe leather. <laughs> shoe leather, as in we are going by faith intentionally to say, hey, I know where the bread is. I know what the purpose of life is. Hey, I know where you can get deliverance from anxiety. I know where you can find purpose. And as we go and shoot with our shoes, beautiful are the feet of them that bring the good news. As we go by faith, God will give us a message and a gospel, uh, a gospel mission. Acts 1.8 is also a very good passage that again shows us the, you know, really the birth of the church. He, he is commanding them, not suggesting, not giving like, oh, you know, if you have time. No, no, it's a command, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Again, we see in this passage that God is saying, you're witnessing of who I am in your local area, your district, and then your country. So local area, maybe your, your, your state, and then of course nationally and internationally. So again, when we think about evangelism, there's several reasons why Jesus said in Luke 19.10 that he purposed to seek and save the lost. That was his purpose. He made time for it. And this is why. Uh, for the believer, uh, it's so important that we just are not walking around like libraries, but we're walking with an intention to love the person in front of us. And really, we can't do that unless we are filled with the love that God has for us. And that simple principle, but yet profound, is that we cannot give what we've yet not received. So as we fellowship with love, we have a heart for the lost. Like someone may say, oh, you need more faith. No, actually in Galatians 5, 6, we need more love. And love produces faith. Oh, you need to do more works. Well, actually, no, 2 Peter 3.18, we need to be filled with the knowledge of God, and then we'll grow in works. We don't want to get this backwards, because otherwise, it's us doing a work for God, rather than God doing a work in us and through us. If we don't have this chronologically right, we will, we will be a casualty. We will be a casualty. So again... Uh, Luke 19.10. Uh, let's read that verse together. Again, evangelism, evangelizing. Um, there are many different ways to evangelize. Um, you know, and, you know, again, some approaches, uh, you know, of course, we're going to go into tonight. But I want to just say it as a maybe an, uh, a simple uh, definition uh, and really a versatile definition that we're loving the person in front of us. Uh, because again, soul winning is not uh, persuading them. Like, I can't persuade anybody of anything. I mean, you may uh, think you can, or we may have all the answers, or maybe be able to present a great argument. But what we do is just exactly what eight, uh, 
Acts 8, 1, 8 said, be witnesses unto me. So that's the key. So we're presenting who Christ is. We're presenting who his nature is. We're presenting his heart. And in Romans 2, 4, it's that ministry that causes people to change. It's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. So our message today is not repent, repent, repent. Our message is believe in the one whom he has sent in John 6, 28. Now, it might seem like a small difference, but it is a big difference. That's why our mission today is to present who Christ is, and he will do the convicting. We present who he is, and he will do the persuading. We present who he is, and he will convince uh, the person. You know, I'm not out there, or you're not out there necessarily to spar or argue or debate. I mean, we may have a good dialogue, and we should have a good answer for everyone that asks a question. Absolutely, in 1 Peter 3, uh, 5. Um, I'm sorry, 1 Peter 3.15, we should have a good argument. We should have a good answer, I should say. But the spirit of my mission is not to um, wrestle somebody to the ground. I'm not here to convince. And, and if you look at the life of Christ, he had a word from his father. He had a word and he presented it and it was convicting. And you know what's interesting? He, the most trouble that Jesus had was with the religious leaders. Uh, he was seeking and saving the humble, the broken, the ones that were just in a place where they knew they were lost, you know, and and that's why today, I, you know, God may convince you of something other than this, but I, I am not looking for for people that are not listening. I mean, I can tell when we talk about the Lord with people, we may interrupt their world. We may uh, intentionally disrupt their plans by presenting the gospel. I mean, when you talk to people on the streets or when you talk to people at work or maybe it's someone in your family and it's just a little awkward, that's okay. We're interrupting the unbeliever on their way to hell, because hell is real. And we're presenting to them a, a message that is the saving knowledge of Christ. And in 2 Peter 3, 9, Jesus says that, I wish that none should perish, but come unto a saving knowledge. And, and this is why we have air in our lungs today. This is why we have a mission in Delaware today. This is why we have a mission uh, in our personal life today. This is why we're inspired again, because we remember in Ephesians 2, 1, uh, before we were saved and our life was lost and our life was without purpose and our life was, we were dead to, to Christ in our sin. And then someone presented the gospel or we saw or heard or received the gospel message and we responded to it in faith. Uh, we came just as we are and God says, I accept you just as you are. And uh, one beggar told us, another beggar, where the bread is. Hey, listen, I know a way out here. I know a way through here. I know the reason for living here. And, and this is important because, uh, you know, seeking and saving is not something, uh, it's not casual. It's intentional. And I, I want to give you a couple of things here. So number one, um, we understand that evangelism is for our sake. And, and what I mean by that is, number one, uh, we do evangelism, evangelism, yes, to honor God. 
yes, to honor the Great Commission, but ultimately it impacts us. It impacts us as believers. How does it impact us? Well, um, it sharpens us. It keeps us sharp. Maybe our Bible knowledge, maybe the questions that people ask. Uh, it sharpens us. It keeps us with an edge and a reason. And, a, and the Holy Spirit will build in you and I confidence. Because let's just be honest, uh, evangelism is awkward sometimes. Um, it's We can be afraid of what people will say or do. Or we could be afraid or intimidated by their faces. Or maybe they look like they have it all together. God is saying, no, I am prompting you to share the gospel and it will sharpen you. Number two, it will uh, keep us sensitive It'll keep us sensitive. I, I often think of stories uh, where we've shared the gospel and the person <laughs> may look totally disinterested. But as you share the gospel, uh, what happens? Uh, the Lord, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, is touching their heart and turning their, their, uh, their eyes to things above. You know why? Because people, people uh, you know, Oftentimes, and I'm sure Pastor Carl and others could say, and maybe you obviously could say, is when we've talked to people about the Lord, how many have said, oh, I was just crying out to him, asking him if he is real. You know, that happened to me recently. I was sharing um, with, a, with a young man, and it was just, it was just a natural thing. It was um, in the moment, um, you know, we, we ran into each other. Uh, on the street, and, and we just started talking. And, and you can use tracks, you can use all kinds of different uh, tools, but we just, we just got talking. And, um, you know, in the, in the, uh, just in the time of our conversation, he said, you know what, you know, he just, he opened up, he said, you know, I'm really discouraged, you know, I just lost my job, I've got a family, not sure how I'm going to provide for them. And, and he said, I was just praying. I was like, God, if you are real, send me a sign. And, and isn't that amazing? Like God is seeking and saving and he'll use you and I. And uh, no matter if we're weak and, you know, feeble, um, we're presenting uh, a witness of who Christ is. And then, you know, maybe we don't have all the answers, but we're presenting the heart of Christ. Now, and this is what I want to say here is, number one, we may approach someone intellectually. Here's three approaches. Intellectually, where someone may have some real questions about, is the Bible real? Is creation really uh, something that God did? I mean, intellectually, we can be prepared to answer the question to open the heart to build credibility. We may do that. Absolutely. We should know enough to present who Christ is uh, with a good articulation and with good clarity. Secondly, we may approach the gospel in a moral approach. Maybe, and this is what I'm seeing more often today, is people are broken, people are anxious, people are fearful. People don't have answers to their questions. So, in a personal sharing or a testimony, that's a great way to present your faith. How God led you, how God ministered through you, the lessons you learned, the failures that you did. And again, I want to caution us here, not that we're sharing our dirty laundry, but people can often relate to your failure more than your victory. So don't be afraid to um, you know, open up a little bit if there's a willingness and understanding, right? Thirdly, a spiritual approach. 
you know, again, we're explaining the Bible in a relevant way. Okay, so three approaches. Intellectual, we may answer the questions to the one who's listening. And, and by the way, if someone is listening to you and then they reject you, don't be uh, discouraged because these are kingdom words. Kingdom words go in the heart because we're made to know God. We are made to know God. Ecclesiastes 3 tells us that, that we are made with eternity in our hearts in, ch in chapter 3, 10 through 14. So when we speak the gospel, it goes in, and even if it's rejected, the work or the words that were spoken stir up the heart, stirring up questions that need to be answered that will, will not be ignored. And it's interesting, I mean, how many people, people have we talked to and they said, oh, I've heard that before, someone's told me that message before, and, and there's been that pre-salvation work and investment. And this is amazing because nothing is in vain. Isaiah 50, uh, 55, uh, 11, God will send in his work and he will cause it to have fruit according to his purpose. So intellectually, not that we're intellectuals, but we can answer people's questions as best as we can. A moral approach, a personal sharing or a personal testimony makes someone you know, relate to you. Uh, these are great tools. And then spiritual approach. I think in preaching, I think in presenting, we can explain that the Bible is God's greatest love letter and we can explain it in a relevant way. All right, I'd like us to look at 1 Samuel for a minute, 1 Samuel chapter 2, and, um, and I want to get back to this point. Why is evangelism important for us? We, we know, you know, we're casting our net out. We know that we are uh, just spreading out the, the seed and hoping that it'll fall on good ground, and uh, maybe God's called you to be one that sows. Maybe God has called you to be one that waters. And then maybe uh, there's a time where God's called you to reap, where the person will pray with you. By the way, I want to caution us. I mean, yes, we want everyone to pray with us, you know, but we're not doing a one-call close here. You know, sometimes in soul winning, it can be like a sales event. Like, you know, you got to pray with me now. you got to pray with me. you got to say this prayer. you got to say this prayer. And you know what i got to say? It's not in saying the prayer that saves the person. I mean, it's a heart consent. So again, we are believing that, you know, God knows who's saved and who's not saved, and we don't. And just because someone says the prayer doesn't mean they're necessarily saved. But in Acts 4.12, Romans 10.9 and 10, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, we will be saved. So again, if they call on the name of Christ, there is no other name under heaven in which you may be saved, Acts 4.12. This, this is why we want to present the gospel and we want to carefully share with them and, and, uh, you know, and genuinely help them respond in faith. And, uh, and we, we pray that they want to just say yes to Jesus. And we want to help them navigate and be ambassadors for him. So, yes, it's for our sake. Yes, it causes us to be sharp and sensitive. And yes, it is uncomfortable. It is. But you know what? It's meant to be uncomfortable because we're interrupting their life where we are literally 
uh, presenting something that they're not even thinking about necessarily, or we're reminding them again of some of some pre-salvation word or work or or reason that they have in their heart to consider. So, you know, intentionally, if you pray, Lord, give me someone to talk to today. Lord, give me a word for someone. Maybe it's at the coffee shop. Maybe it's at the grocery store. Maybe it's someone waiting in the line. I mean, with COVID and all that's going on, people are are quiet and they're we're in this faceless society with these masks. People are really discouraged or depressed. And it's like, we want to be intentional, genuine. Uh, we want to naturally present a word, you know, maybe some, you know, I said something to someone recently, I mean, have you heard any good news today? And the person's like, no. And I said, well, you know, God loves you or you are forgiven or there is a, a great purpose that heaven is a free gift. Like have something that I call as an icebreaker. And, and just presenting those words can really uh, cause a person to um, be interested or not. And if they're not interested, don't take that personally. Because again, you're sowing, you're watering, and God will give the increase. Remember, it's God's work. It's God's work. Okay, 1 Samuel 2.8. And I want to give you um, four things, the four L's. And uh, again, when we're soul winning, we are, uh, again, and I call it soul winning because, again, we're addressing someone's eternal value, uh, their soul. Like, uh, you know, we, we see this in Mark eight thirty six that when it's so, how could someone gain the whole world and lose their own soul? I mean, that's that's like the great treadmill, you know, the, the hamster on the, the tread wheel, you know, round and round and round, all these possessions all these things are busy, 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 but really no meaning, really no purpose, really no life, no real joy. You know, um, you know, some people say, you know, when they get saved, they said, I was happy, right, where I was in the worldly standing. But now that I'm saved, I have joy. I have, uh, I didn't even know what my true meaning or life uh, purpose was, but now I know, and it's so far above and the feeling of being forgiven and the conviction of being a son or daughter of God. It's, it's amazing. So don't let the devil silence you. And this is what the devil wants to do. He says, oh, nobody needs to hear what you got to say or what you got to say is not relevant. And, and being in a post-Christian society, this projection is a very real one. And we have to ignore what the atmosphere says and do exactly opposite of what the atmosphere says. Maybe God's put someone on your heart. Don't ignore it. Pray for them. And then ask God, Lord, show me how to speak to them. Show me how to serve them. Show me how to love them in the moment. And, um, you know, it's not a one-call close. It's not like I'm going to close the deal and they're going to get saved and be another notch on my belt. No, no, no. It may take time. Uh, it may, it probably will take a lot of time. Some are ready and some are not. Okay, so we want to listen to their story. This is, a, this is a big one. Listen to their story. Because the equity of time that you spend, they will, um, they will also listen to you. If you're listening to them, you know, seek to understand them. And then they'll seek to understand you. Don't feel like they have to understand everything you're saying. And slow it down, too. Slow it down. Don't, you know, 
don't like throw the all the gospel bullets at them at once and blow them away, but go slow, ask questions, um, seek to know their story. Uh, maybe someone's been through some difficulties. You know, it's like ask questions. How did that make you feel, or what did you think the purpose of that was, or how you know what do you why do you think God allowed that, or whatever. You know, just ask those questions and then cause them to be able to articulate many people. Oh, they say, oh, it's a personal thing. I'm not going to talk about religion. So when a person says that, it's like, okay, they don't even know what they believe. They have no idea what they believe if they say that. They're just very guarded or maybe they're hurt or maybe they are, they've had a bad experience uh, with the gospel. And then we want to go slow. We want to be loving. We don't want to be a, a bull in a china closet, but we want to be intentional. We want to make sure we have a word. We want to make sure that um, you know, we are, uh, you know, saying something in a relevant way that makes them accountable. And that's the big word here. Soul winning or evangelizing is causing them to be accountable to God. Okay. Number two, we want to learn their story. Understanding where they're coming from will help us navigate on how to present Christ. Okay. Uh, you know, maybe someone has lost something, you know, they've lost their house or they've lost their marriage or they've lost their job. And we can say, you know, Jesus lost everything too. He lost his life so you could have life. Uh, he lost his life so that you don't have to live in depression. And he was Isaiah 53, great chapter. He was bruised and he was beaten uh, so that we could, uh, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. What he did causes us to have peace with him today. Thirdly, we love them with God's story. Again, we're not asking people to change. You know, so many people are saying, I got to cut my hair. I got to change my lifestyle. I got to stop doing this. I got to stop smoking, drinking, blah, blah, blah. It's not about that. It's loving them with God's story. God's story is come as you are. Uh, I will, I will be there to accept you. You know, love will not leave you where it finds you. You will grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And as you get to know who you are as a son and daughter of God, you will be translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his, of his dear son. So love is producing the change. Love is not condoning the sin. You know, let's say you're talking to someone. I was talking to someone recently that is uh, in the in the snare of lesbianism, and they had lots of justification for their sin. And I just said, you know what? God loves you. He hates the sin, but he loves you, and he's designed you for so much more. Uh, he's designed you for real love and real acceptance. And there was a message that the Lord gave me for that person just for a few minutes. I was loving them in the moment. And maybe it's just a moment, but there's a message of hope. Lastly, we lead them beyond themselves. Okay, let's say someone responds and then we're walking alongside them and encouraging them and uh, in their faith, you know, because God lifts them up. Now, this is a great verse here, going back to the beggar uh, analogy. First Samuel 2, 8, I think of this verse a lot, um, you know, verse seven of first Samuel two, seven and eight, it says, The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich, he bringeth low and lifts up. He raises up the poor out of the dust, and the lifts up the beggar from the dunghill, to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory, for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he hath set the world 
upon them. So think about that. The Lord is lifting people out of the dung hill. You know, sadly enough, a lot of people don't know that, that they're lost. Uh, sadly, people don't know that they're in a trash heap. Some do. Some do. Uh, you know, recently I heard this story about a man walking down the alley and there was all this trash. And then he realized that there was a person in the trash. And he went over there with his wife and, and, and started talking to the person. And the person was literally living in the trash. And they began to share how valuable that person is in Christ and how much they're loved and how much God really cares about them. And the person stood up and, and responded to the invitation of salvation. And uh, this man, our homeless director, said, you know, the change on their countenance, the change in their spirit, the change that came over them was uh, physical. It was immediate and it was beautiful. And they were able to lead that person, person out of the trash. You know, maybe your uh, experience won't be so dynamic. Uh, maybe it will. Uh, I remember being in the Ukraine and talking with a young man at at a bus stop, and he had never heard about the grace of God. He was so in, uh, entrenched in in legalism and the law, and we literally, I, I, I'll never forget it, we spoke and kept speaking, and, and the bus came and the bus left. We're at, we're at, it, we're at the bus stop, and the guy... Uh, we spoke for four hours, and that was a unique opportunity, and he responded to the gospel. And he was, uh, he was ripe. He was ready. And um, what happened was he got saved, and he moved to our city in the western Ukraine, and he became part of our Bible school. And today he's a pastor, and today he is leading a church in Kiev, Ukraine, and uh, all because of the goodness of God and just, uh, uh, you know, a trembling. I was scared to death in one sense. And uh, God says, don't, don't hold back. I will give you boldness. I will give you confidence. I will give you a word. Don't shrink back in Proverbs 24, 10. Don't shrink back. Don't look at their faces. Don't walk by sight. There'll always be excuses not to share the gospel, but do exactly opposite of what the atmosphere is projecting. So this man today is a dear brother and serving the Lord. Why? Because he responded to the grace of God. So this is this is so good. And remember what D.L. Moody said. He said, every Bible should be wrapped in shoe leather. <laughs> every Bible. So today, uh, thinking about, yes, evangelism is for our sake. Because we see the Holy Spirit in action, number one. You know, the book of Acts is full of ordinary people doing extraordinary things because of simple faith. We're just crazy enough to believe what the Word of God says. Two, it sharpens us. It makes us sensitive. Oh, you know, it's one thing to love the Bible and read the Bible, but then when we go out in faith, we see it in action. It's very edifying. It's uncomfortable. Don't be afraid of that, but be reliant. Say, Lord, I'm, I'm nervous. And God says, I'm with you. Lord, I don't know what to say. I'll put my words in your mouth. Don't, uh, don't be afraid. I will put my words in your mouth. And then be intentional. Pray. Lord, show me how to share my faith today. Lord, I don't want to be a silent believer. I don't want to be someone that is uh, ignoring uh, people uh, on their way to hell. 
And, uh, and this is why we're raising up the poor out of the dust and lifting up the beggar from the trash heap. And again, maybe it's through an intellectual approach. Maybe there's someone that has a real answer and they want answers. And this is going to help them logically understand, uh, you know, on how to process faith. Maybe it's through a moral approach. Maybe, uh, you know, recently uh, doing a funeral for a family and a person dies of cancer and they're just like, where is God? And they're genuinely seeking. Uh, and we can present God and we can present what God can C-A-N, the first three letters of cancer, what God can do in cancer. And oftentimes uh, people are interrupted or disrupted or shaken and sobered so that they understand uh, why am I here? What's my purpose? You know, what is, you know, is it just a, you know, Psalm 90 verse 10? Do I just live here 70 years and am I gone? No, 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 no. We are all made to know God and to know his purpose. And few few, uh, you know, know that, you know, the statistics are amazing. Over half the world, believe it or not, over half the world has over, think about it, over 7 billion people, close to 3 billion and change have never heard the gospel. I mean, that is, I mean, that is just staggering. So we're in a land full of light in America. People can hear the word. We're in many different vehicles. But it's amazing. This generation, uh, you know, in our generation, we were, uh, you know, we had the education of the gospel and our parents were very strong in the faith. And uh, but this next generation, this this generation not coming up, but the one before that, they are lost. Their parents are not sharing the gospel. There is a great uh, famine of the word in Amos 8. It's a famine of the word. So again, we're listening to their story. By the way, if I'm just talking, 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 and then not listening, then you know what? That's going to be a short conversation. Now, if the person is like talking, 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 of course, we want to interject and ask questions and and definitely lead the conversation, but we want to listen to their story. That's a big one. Learn their story. The context of where they're coming from will help you understand how to present the gospel. Love them with God's story. Don't Again, it's not like a one-call close. It's like presenting God's heart to them and ministering life to them. And then lead them beyond themselves. Lead them beyond themselves by when they do respond or when they do have an interest. Maybe when they do come to church, we're, we're, uh, we're asking them, you know, what is it that you're interested in getting to know? I mean, again, it's like, uh, when someone's looking for a church, it's like, I don't want to tell them everything that's going on in my church because it's too much. It's it, it's like I remember going to Costco's and I was looking at a vacuum cleaner and, you know, the person was telling me all about this vacuum cleaner. And, uh, you know, and, and you know, I was like, OK. And, but my question, I had a specific question. and They were not answering that question. They were talking about everything else but that question. So again, make it relevant. Talk about the things that they are they're asking about. Okay. All right. So we're loving the person in front of us. We're loving the person in front of us. Uh, it, it's an incredible thing. Okay. Matthew nine thirty seven and thirty eight. We're going to close in here. So, what is my message today? What is my message? It's a message of hope. It's a message of truth. It's a message that is Christ-centered. By the way, 
Really important. It's not the gospel unless it's Christ-centered, and that means Jesus plus nothing. It's not the gospel unless it's Christ-centered. You know, it's not presenting a church. It's not presenting a uh, an organized way to be better. It's not a self-help. It's Jesus. It's who Jesus is. It's who. It's what Jesus has done. It's what Jesus wants to do. It's a personal Savior. Okay? It's Jesus plus nothing, or it's not the gospel. Period. Matthew 9, 37. And we've met him. I mean, I'm sure you have too. And people have, you know, I met, I remember I was with Pastor Carl on the streets of Delaware, and I met these, uh, these group of young people. And by the way, Pastor Carl's a great soul winner. And, um, and, and we got talking with this group. We intentionally just went out on the streets. And maybe it's friendship evangelism. Maybe you're ministering to someone that, you know, you have a relationship or friendship with. Friendship evangelism, very important. Maybe events. Maybe you do an event Christmas season. You know, you're drawing people in through a concert or, or, a, or some sort of um, event that is, uh, you know, capitalizing on a holiday. But, but I remember Pastor Carl and I were on the streets one day talking with this group of young people. And very quickly into the conversation, the, uh, you know, these young people, you know, they, they said, oh, you know, we've heard this message before, but we're not going to go to heaven. We're, we're not good enough to go to heaven. I, I failed last night. I, and, I, you know, and just listening to their confession, their, their faith was so self-centered. It was so self-oriented. And even two of the people, believe it or not, in that crowd had Bibles. They showed me their Bibles. And, and sadly enough, they were going to a church and their father was the pastor and they had no confidence about their salvation. And I'll never forget this conversation because we spoke with them for over 30 minutes. And I believe Pastor Carl will remember this. But we were able to share the grace of God with them and saying, you know what? Salvation is of the Lord in Jonah uh, chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Salvation, uh, John 10, 28 and 29, can never be lost. He he puts us in his hand and he and we cannot take ourselves or we cannot sin ourselves out of the hand of God. It's an eternal contract. We were sharing that uh, again, that um, it's, you know, Romans 10, 9 and 10, we, it's a personal decision and God seals us in Ephesians 1, 13 and 1, 18 unto the day of redemption. And, and it's a work of God. You know, some people say you can lose your salvation. Uh, people that say that don't know the Bible. There are there are hundreds of illustrations that we can go into about how our salvation is is secure. It's a work of God. And people may quote to you Hebrews six and Hebrews ten, and and uh, persevere to the end, and you'll know that you'll be saved. They'll pull bo- verses out of Matthew, but if you look at the heart of God from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, and the context of each verse and uh, the historical reference of each verse, you'll see clearly from Genesis to Revelation that salvation is eternal. And uh, a great verse, Ecclesiastes 3, uh, talks about this in verse 14, that what God does, he does forever, and no man can change it. That's a good verse, Ecclesiastes 3.14. All right. Well, Matthew 9, 37, I hope you're encouraged today. Evangelism, 
Let's see God win our families. Let Don't stop praying for your family. Let's see God reach our neighborhoods. Let's see God reach our state, our country. Our country is unusual, unusually open right now. Why? Because people are scared stiff and they don't have answers. And God's saying, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Well, Matthew 9, 37, Jesus said, The harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that ye that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Well, you are God's laborer. And in this great commission, remember, it's a co-mission. It means that it's not up to you, it's not up to me, but it's walking together with him, with him. And you know what? God has uh, orchestrated people to, uh, to respond. So the harvest is plenteous. So let's not get too busy in the good things uh, in our ministries that we don't have enough time to share our faith. And by the way, let's say another thing. I'm not going to wait for people in my church. I'm not going to hide in my four walls and beckon people to come. No, no. We're going to go where they are. Here's an interesting verse, Ezekiel 3.15. Ezekiel 3.15. It says to go, to, to sit where they sit, to go out into the highways and byways and to compel them. Now, if I'm in the church and I'm waiting for people to come, I mean, that's one thing. But the, the evangelism is I'm out there in the field. I'm out there in the highway. I'm out there in the dirt. I'm out there in the city. I'm out. We are out there engaging people intentionally, insp- being inspired by God and saying, listen, get off your dung heap. You might have a good looking dung heap, but it's still a dung heap. Uh, get off the dust. God's created you not to be the tail, but be the head. Because the sad reality is uh, people are on their way to a crisis eternity and don't know it. Hell is real. Hell is Mark 9.48 in countless other places. Um, it's a uh, it's spoken about 222 times in scripture and also heaven is real John 14 1 through 3 and 88 other places heaven is real if we're inspired by these truths that um, then we will be a soul winner an evangelizer a presenter of the heart and mind of Christ well second Corinthians 520 we'll close with this verse our our faith is priceless. You know, one soul is worth more than the whole world. One soul is worth more than the whole world. You know, you know, maybe we're not Billy Graham's, and, and Billy Graham had an incredible ministry, a hundred years. Imagine he lived to be a hundred, and he was a, a, a tremendous evangelist. But maybe God's not called you to that platform. Maybe He has, but. Let's minister to the people that are in front of us. Let's do it intentionally. Let's do it by faith. Let's let's watch God in action tear down the walls. Let's watch God change the heart. Let's watch God uh, transform lives because of love. Amen. Lord, make us soul winners. Lord, make us fishers of men. It, you, as you said to the disciples, I will make you fishers of men. Lord, we want you to to do that in our lives. Lord, give us a word, give us confidence, give us uh, boldness in this day and draw people, 
to you. Draw people to our churches. Draw people and open hearts. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Your feedback is always welcome. Thank you.